Welcome back, everybody, to the train of ambivalence with me, Zane. And me, Amrick. It's nice to be back so soon. I can't believe it's... it's if you think about it, it's been under a week. Yeah, it's been wait, under no, a week. Wait, 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 no, it's Wednesday, so it actually has been over a week. Damn, For some reason, I've thought it was Tuesday. I'm a day behind. <laughs> Your lack of time awareness has fucked us over again, and we've lost credibility on the podcast already. Yeah, within the first, uh, within the first 50 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting week considering we have never done a weekly podcast before, so we're going to try and make this a thing for you, yep. you person, people out there, uh, just yep. so we can get the ball running, and mainly because it's something to fucking do for you guys and for us. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So feel free to listen to us while you're taking your solemn dumps throughout the day. I feel like we we were, we thematically fit in really well with like when you go to the toilets. Oh yeah, like if if anything, like the dump audience audience would probably be pretty big for us. I think. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So the hidden, it's like our hidden market, <laughs> our only market. It's like you'll yeah. forever associate our voices with the smell of the toilets, and that's that's where we want to be. That's where we want to be in your lives. You know, <laughs> everyone needs a purpose and a, and a place of belonging. Ours is inevitably the bathroom. <laughs> so. Toilet humor aside, so uh, we we have a few things to talk about today. I guess we have a general catch up of of things that have gone on over the last week. So let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit more about or quickly brief on cyberpunk has gone even more to shit uh, since we last talked about it, and now they are officially offering refunds to everybody. Also, and I saw this stat yesterday and it confused me. So apparently they've already sold twelve million units, and I was wondering. Do return copies that people then rebuy on a different platform count as another sale? That's a good point. <gasps> I imagine they probably would actually. They surely do, right? Because they don't track. Yeah. They can't track who specifically returns it. Can, actually, they, they they won't track whether or not you buy because you can buy a game on two different platforms that would count as two individual sales. Mm-hmm. So really, because a lot of people, I imagine, they're doing if they have the capability, they would they would. Um, have bought the game on the PS4 or whatever and realized it runs like shit and then refunded it and bought it again on computer where it's supposed to run really, really well. Yeah, it's supposed so, to run like way better a lot. Yeah. yeah. I've got to say, watching watching all the bugs and glitches, it's so fucking funny. It's honestly been the best part of this year. The cyberpunk glitches have been so good to see. It's it's terrible for the devs, but it's genuinely been such good quality humor content. Oh yeah, it's it's just it's like A plus content right there. It's just hilarious to watch. Like I'm at that stage now where I would probably watch a podcast with just compilations of or listen to a podcast with just compilations of cyberpunk. Yeah, I'm I'm actually considering like watching a playthrough of that just to like. Because I'm sure, like people like commenting on it whilst they're playing is probably going to be pretty good content to watch as well. Actually, I wish I had. I wish I, if I had the ability to do a playthrough of it and like record it, I would. Because it sounds like the kind of thing which would, which would like prompt a lot of funny responses. To be honest, Mm, definitely, definitely. Like my heart does go down to the team that developed it. Though, like Mm. (laughs) I do feel bad for them. I feel bad for the developers. I feel less bad for like the the people making the business decisions because they've clearly not. Um, well, you know, bad business decisions are all around us, right? Like it's in the yeah. government, in in the businesses that are being run down to the fucking ground at the moment, and it, it, it's understandable. But at the same time, everybody has their deadlines. But at the same time, you can't be releasing things which are completely 
shit, shit. and then expect yes. people to just live with it, you know? Mm. Especially this day and age. Especially in this day and age where we're getting indie games which come out and are, like, beautiful. Like, look, if you just look at the animation of Cuphead and mm. think, man, that is gorgeous. That looks better than most games. And yeah, that's look, at indie Cup, game. look at Cuphead, look at things like Hades. Hades. Fantastic. Exactly. So it's it becomes less of an excuse when you can see people who don't have anywhere near the same amount of resources, and yet they're um, they're managing to release these games with very little to no flaws. Mm. At the same time, I get it. Look, it's a triple A game. It's going to have a big, massive scale and more more margin for error. But at the same time, the money and the the management should compensate for that. If you're if you're still not able to meet a release schedule, then you have to kind of look at the management, I think. It's less about working your employees to death. That's the thing, like, put it this way. Um, we both got the PS5 on release. We both encountered some bugs with um, Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think <laughs> one of them completely froze the game for me. But that was nowhere as near as bad what's going on with Cyberpunk. Miles Morales literally in the first cutscene crashed my PlayStation 5 and just completely turned everything off. And I was like, oh, that doesn't feel good. But then but then it never happened again throughout the rest of the game. I got one crash in The Last of Us 2 in during a cutscene as well. So oh, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what prompts these things, but it's mm. been twice so far and they've released numerous patches. So I imagine it's becoming less of a thing. I'm just hoping they can fix the rest mode issue. Yeah, like I've had two crashes with Miles Morales and they both happen to just coincide with the cutscene. So it probably is cutscene related. <laughs> I mean, like there's a one um, there's a one clip from Cyberpunk you sent me when the guy gets out of his car, which is like or sideways and he starts floating into the air, says hola, and then his car explodes. <laughs> I love that clip. I've watched that clip like 10 times. It's brilliant. <laughs> you could not plan better comedic timing with that as a thing. And that's why I really well, want to. couldn't. <laughs> it's like, like the two, like that clip had better comedic, comedic timing than like most comedians. Yeah, 100%. You know, it sounds terrible, but like I have such a bias again. It's, I have a natural bias against first person views in games mm. to, be, to begin with. Otherwise, I think I would have bought Cyberpunk, but. It's just I now I know that it's buggy and also in a first person view I just can't be fucked. I'll, I'll maybe wait until it's way cheaper. I mean, yeah, I'm not big on first person views either. To be honest, um, like if I were to count all the first person view games I've ever played, it'd probably be on one hand. I think I've played like yeah, probably the same thing. But the Doom game, well, the one on PS4, uh, Bioshock. But even then, it's like the slower pace that well, Bioshock is slower pace. Doom is ridiculously quick, but it's also mm-hmm. a lot more forgiving. I just, I just don't. I get sick quite easily when playing first-person views games. Like it's not. Yeah, I, I get super disorientated. I'm with you on that one. I get super yeah. disorientated. That's the thing. I get disoriented, and and also, um, I don't like not having peripheral and back and vision behind me. If that makes sense. Like in The Last of Us, you can see when something's creeping up on you from behind. I don't like being caught unaware like that. Yeah, there are certain games I do not want to be snuck upon. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. So Resident Evil, the new Resident Evils are all first person. And to be fair, it adds way more to the tension than, say, like Resident mm-hmm. Evil, um, like in, in comparison to, say, Resident Evil 4, mm-hmm. where there are scary moments, but it doesn't, nothing can like sneak up on you, except when they randomly just jump except on the you. Dogs, except the except dogs. Except the dogs. The dogs can go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but the dogs scare me, not because of like, the atmosphere they scare me because i know they're very 
like they they just jump around erratically. And I know they're going to be. <laughs> they're faster. They come out come out of nowhere. I'm just wildly shooting my shotgun like, in every possible direction. That's the problem. Those dogs go. And this is the thing: dogs in video games tend to be dickheads when they're enemies. It's, uh, even The Last of Us Two has dogs in it, and for some reason, and like it means that you have to be a bit quicker in your stealth sections because the dogs can smell out your trail. And I hate them. I hate them so much. That's like an interesting level of difficulty to it, I think. It does. It make, it adds way more tense. Like, The Last of Us 2 is a much more tense game than the first game. But at the same time, there are points where you're like, give me a second to breathe, please. So just, like, keep piling on the pressure. Yeah, essentially, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much else there is in terms of gaming news. I mean, we we haven't had that much of a break since the last episode so i guess we can just move on to to what have we been doing yeah yeah sounds good to me sounds good to me um so i think we've both been watching the animaniacs reboot for 2020 haven't we i don't know what you're talking about why would you say yeah yeah (laughs) so we've been so yeah we're about halfway through the season yeah what do you think so far because Animaniacs was a big part of our childhoods, wasn't it? For some reason, yeah. Because considering it was a show that came out and ended before we were born, um, mm. it, it was a really big part of my childhood. So I think, because England tends to get things. I don't know if people abroad don't know this, but like England tends to get TV shows, maybe, or used to at least, used to get TV shows about four years after America, after they were released yeah. in America. Yeah, so like it's like like The Simpsons. We used to get episodes like four or five years later. Yeah. That would be like super strange, but like that was <laughs> just how that's just how it was back in the day. Especially for a show as topical as The Simpsons. It was very weird, wasn't it? Because they get reference like I remember watching an episode, uh, it was an episode in like the late nineties where they referenced something um from like nineteen eighty five or something. The, 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 you know, they go to a place and they, it turns out that the, the event was meant to be there in like 1985. Like, damn it, that was five years ago. I was like, that was five years ago, what? <laughs> it just makes you question everything, doesn't it? Like, we got the NSYNC episode of The Simpsons after Justin Timberlake released his, like, first album solo. Oh, God, that's so weird to think. Yeah. Like, he, he, he started having, like, a successful solo career. By the time we, get by it, time we, get we got that episode, yeah, yeah exactly. It makes everything seem so dated, but it also makes you like, damn, I'm so old. Yeah, 100%. It's like the um, the Animaniacs, though, because what, they're finished in like 94, right? Yeah. Originally. And um, we, we we got it during our childhood. So I used to watch it when we were a kid and yeah. in, in the 90s growing up. And obviously, like, this is one of the best written TV shows of all time, I think. <laughs> In, t- in terms of dialogue, it's yeah. probably one of the best ever. I mean, like, as a kid, I just found it hilarious. Yeah, it's like, crazy, isn't it? Because as a kid, I really enjoyed my, my, my wacky cartoons. I, like, mm. I really enjoyed, like, Daffy Duck and Looney Tunes and just things that were just pure nonsense, which, to be honest, I kind of carried that forward into, much, forward into my adulthood as well because when I was at university... I used to just watch Phineas and Ferb all the time, and that's pretty much just nonsensical humor, just all mm. the way through. Yeah, but you know, exactly what I want. <laughs> it, it one leads into the other, and like I never really grew out of that cartoon crazy kind. As long as it's well written and entertaining enough, I feel like mm. I, I can watch it. Even now, I'd, I'd still watch like the new Ducktales or, um, or as you know, Animaniacs. And 
Um, I, have, I have like written a few few things about the first three episodes, so we, we got to maybe episode five, six, seven ish, mm-hmm. and it's so one one jarring thing um, from from the off. I'd say is it's weird only having animaniacs and Pinky in the brain and not having any of the side the other side yeah. characters. I mean, like, was it Slappy the Squirrel? Slappy the Squirrel, Chicken Good Chicken Boo, Good Fe- Good Feathers were my favorite. Martin and Mindy. Buttons and Mindy. Buttons and Mindy. Buttons and Mindy, is it? Yeah, Buttons and Mindy was great. Um, that um, that cat that always used to break out into a musical. Yes, a lot to be missed. Slapping the squirrel was fucking hilarious. Slapping the squirrel was also one of my favorites. Cause it's, it was great to see such a bitter cartoon character, <laughs> and she 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 was basically like an old bitter squirrel who, <laughs> who happened to be a woman, and like you don't really get a cartoon character like that of that caliber to be the main character do you she was like a, an actress in other yeah. cartoons when she was young and then yeah. she's just like really bitter and nobody likes her, like wants her in in the tv shows anymore and she's fucking brilliant like she has yeah it's brilliant she, 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 she was so she's witty she was funny mm. and she's so so, vi- so 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 violent <laughs> but uh yeah, I think I think that was like one of the most notable things for me. But at the same time, I don't think it takes down the quality of the show overall. I think, I mean, okay, right. So it becomes more repetitive because you it, know you're going to get two Animaniac segments and one Pinky in the Brain segment. Yeah, every single I was, was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, it becomes way more predictable and kind of repetitive because yeah. I'm like, okay, there's a Pinky in the Brain bit again, and. I love Pinky in the Brain, but there's only so much of them I kind of want. Whereas I like I, I can't yeah. get enough of the Animaniacs themselves. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that one. Like a few episodes in, I was really looking forward to add to the Animaniacs episode, um, uh, bits, mm. and I was when it got into Pink of the Brain, I kind of like oh again, <laughs> like you really do because the formula for the old cartoons, you'd have obviously start off with the Animaniacs bits, but then it would be like a random concoction. It seemed pretty random to me. You'd either have Slappy, you'd have Chicken Boo, or you'd have Good Feathers. There's no, there's no like given order to what would come next after the Animaniacs. It always seemed to be pretty random to me. Yeah, it was within like a rotation, basically. Yeah, but it kept, it kept things fresh and it kept things more interesting for me. I think it provides more opportunity for like for creativity and writing. I think because with the Good Feathers, they used to just do parodies of gangster films from the eighties and nineties. <laughs> it was so good. That was absolutely genius. And then you had. Yeah. Um, because like the Joe Pesci bird was so funny. It's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. Whereas um, Pinky and the Brain, they they kind of they they are forced into a corner with their writing a little bit because Pinky and the Brain is always going to be like they literally do the same scheme of uh, they do a scheme, it works for a bit, then fails at the end, and then it's like, what do we do next time? And as great as those as greatly written as those episodes are, I still feel like they just don't have as much room for creativity. Oh, definitely, definitely. But there is, I was very much feeling that way, but on the last episode I watched, episode seven, Mm. um, they do something slightly different. And I'm not sure if you've seen episode seven, have you? I don't think so, no. But we can still talk about it. Um, They base, Pinky decides to make uh, his ideal first lady. (laughs) So he takes items from Barbara Bush (laughs) <laughs> um, um, Jackie Kennedy and Hillary Clinton um, splice them together and basically inject them into a female rap. 
But he basically makes the ideal, um, yeah, ide- he basically makes the ideal wife for him. And it's hilarious and it's brilliant. And yeah, it just goes to shit, but fantastic. <laughs> I loved that idea. Hey, that w- there's a lot of like piss take when it comes to how people consume social media in the Pinky and the Brains, <laughs> Pinky and the Brains oh, segments. Yeah. They, 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 re- really, they really do highlight that and put that on the spotlight, definitely. Yeah, they're just like, look at you susceptible sheep people. <laughs> all, all of you. Um, but I have made a few notes. So I was saying one of like the most notable things for me, um, and obviously this is like a given because of the time difference, because it's been like 25 years since the show originally aired. But my God, you can tell the difference, like the age of Dot's voice has changed so much. And I know that's because Tress McNeil is aged by 25 years. So she probably can't do like the child voice the way she used to be able to, but it's very noticeable. <laughs> yeah, you, you notice that straight off the bat, don't you? You, it, it's, you can't ignore that fact at all. Yeah, like, I, st- yeah. I still I have a lot of love for that voice. <laughs> yeah, me too, definitely. It was great. It's, you know, it's trust me, Neil, right? But when she was doing that, I was like, she sounds a little bit more like um, Mom from Futurama than what yeah, she, she does sound like Dots. <laughs> yeah, she does. She definitely does. But um, that also kind of highlights how old we've become. <laughs> That, it does. It makes me feel a bit depressed. It reminds me of. Um, it reminds me of hearing Mark Hamill in the Batman games, mm-hmm. because Mark Hamill as Joker in the in the cartoons was obviously like young, mm-hmm. and when he did the Batman games, this was like maybe 10, 15 years after the cartoons finished. And my fucking god, he sounds like an old man doing the Joker, and you can hear the age in his voice. And it's like, mm-hmm. man, I am. Uh, my life is going to end soon. <laughs> it's all going so quickly. I mean, it's more likely that their lives will end soon. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. Probably, we're gonna we're gonna miss those voices specifically. Oh, 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 yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Um, they changed in the intro. They changed Dot is cute to Dot is witty. Dot is witty, yeah. Yes. So I imagine it was to place less of an emphasis on on like the girlishness or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Because I I know the first theme song in and out, mm-hmm. and every time I'm trying to sing along to the yeah, new cute. one, yeah, 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 and I can't do it. Like, um, it's just ingrained into me. I want to say dot is cute. I'm trying to unlearn it, but it's hard to get that out of my head. Because yeah, they have to they have to replace basically all of the introductions to all the other characters with just generic lines kind of thing. So it goes like yeah. gender pronoun neutral. Gender pronoun neutral. Uh, yeah. It's, I, 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 do, I, do love, I do love the new intro though. I love it's it. It's great, isn't it? It's, it's like, it really is um, a, a theme tune for the time, if that makes sense, for like the time yeah. we live in. They, they've like properly adapted it. It, it it works. It works on so many levels. It's hilarious, and I love it. As sad as I am about the emissions of like the other characters. Yeah, it will be missed. Like, I find it strange though, because in the lineup when they're kind of doing the, the xylophone on the skulls of the other characters, mm. um, they have the doctor there, but you never see him. That's so one. Like, I was like, why is he not there? Because Doctor yeah. Doctor Octavius, he was he was voiced by Rob Paulson, who's also the voice of Pinky and and Yako. Yeah, I loved his character. Yeah, he was great. So, but I think he was replaced by that female CEO woman. Yeah. So, so start with episode one. Um, essentially, they do like a catch up from the the nineties to the modern day, and they learn everything that has happened in that time period. And yeah, they he swallowed a tablet. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. He, he ingests a tablet and just learns everything. And yeah. 
it is they do a song about it and essentially it's like doing a catch-up over the last 25 years or so and um and now the warner the warner company has like a female ceo and dot's like oh great i mean she's gonna you know you're gonna be great to us because she because i'm a woman and she's like no because i'm one of those women that hates women <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah yeah but uh, you gotta love the writing in this mm. show. It's it's unlike anything I've ever like. It's unlike any other material I've ever consumed in my life. It's just uh, there's no words. I I wrote as a generic note here. I said that the people who complain that there isn't enough right wing comedy on TV would hate Animaniacs. <laughs> I I remember seeing an article. Um, um, the, it was basically about how the BBC tried to find more white white wing comedians. Yeah, for certain shows, but when they did find white wing comedians, like none of them were funny. <laughs> yeah, because that's generally how it works, isn't it? There's, there's left wing generally have generally like, have no, comedy. <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna find like casual racism and misogyny very funny. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just kind of like, oh, cool. Well, good for you. Or just, yeah, no, no. It's 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 a stupid. Um, dichotomy that they're trying to build up is like oh we need a balance no we don't we don't like, no you don't need balance do whatever, you don't need just balance. do whatever people resonate with and whatever gets you the ratings and if it's if it's all left wing then so be it yeah, definitely but um talking about like the go getting into a little bit of the politics so they do a lot of trump jokes and in the, in the, second, a lot of trump jokes. In the second episode there is a trump cyclops that thinks he has two eyes and he, oh only, God. he he thinks he has two eyes. He's got the smallest hands, <laughs> and he's just orange with yellow hair. It's fucking brilliant. And he's wearing a diaper. He's wearing a diaper, and there's a bit where he like rubs um, that Olympian guy on his nipples. Adi- I, th- I want to say Odysseus. I think it's Odysseus. I can't remember. But yeah, he scrubs in between his nipples, and oh my God. Oh no no no! It wasn't the Olympian. Olympian guy was a few episodes later. It was uh, Jason the Argonauts people, wasn't it? So it's, I think. I think. Actually, no. Yeah. It's one of them. You make me. You make me question my very uh, minimal Greek Greek knowledge. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know either, so we're just guessing. Oh, it's one of them. I don't think anyone listening cares. It was. Is is one of? I'm sure it's one of the us (laughs) ESs. But he rubs him with his nipple, and I was like, man, this is a lot more adult than it used to be. Even that made me like, oh my god, I don't want to see that. I don't, yeah. Hilarious, yeah. But, hilarious, but still. So I'm, I'm glad you touched on that moment because that moment happened for a good few seconds. Yeah, and I can't unremember it at this point. So I just wanted to bring it up, and anyone watching at home needs to watch that bit because I don't know, man. Like, there's only so much you can you can really take in life, and sometimes when you see a cartoon cyclops rubbing a person with their nipple you kind of question where it all went wrong mm. and uh in that same episode you get the uh, in the pink in the brain section you get the thespian dragon who's obsessed with being a good actor and he's absolutely hilarious like he fucking kills me he, he he's, he's just quoting random film lines and at the end he when he's dying he quotes rocky for some reason he's like Adrian! <laughs> we did he quotes rocky for some reason then he just dies again <laughs> so, uh, I, that's, that, that for me that really sums up um, what Anima- Animaniacs is because it just doesn't stop it just keeps going and going and going over the top 
is <laughs> I mean, it, I love that kind of like that brand of humor. Yeah, it's it's so it's like very strange and out there, and I can't resonate with it any more than I do. Like it's just amazing that. <laughs> But I'm glad we can watch this stuff as adults and finally understand all the references. Like, I'm glad we went back and watched the original series as adults because it really adds an extra layer of appreciation for it. I mean, I'm I'm just glad I can go back to this as an adult and still find it funny. Yeah, 100%. Like, I still appreciate the the, the humor. The animation looks beautiful mm. to watch. And yeah, it just, on so many levels, it just works. Um, interesting enough, did you see the episode about why they touch on why there aren't any of the other characters anymore? No, so that must have been six or seven, isn't it? Yeah, so there's an episode where they... I am not going to ruin anything for you, but it's hilarious and it's perfect, and we'll have to discuss that next episode. Okay, <laughs> so spoilers for next episode, because if it's enough of a spoiler that you wouldn't want to say it to me, it probably uh, I, be enough of a spoiler. I, 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 I 100% do not want to ruin that moment for you, because I found it hilarious, and you will probably will too. Okay, cool. Um, I've also made note, so in the episode four, they just like come out of nowhere with some anime references. And Is that when they turn into... That it's basically so they do this whole bit about bun violence of like they do a oh parody of bun violence but with bunnies and they keep referring to it as bun violence and at one point he just goes is this meta- is this allegory over the top like she even says at the end like I think this allegory is going really over the top <laughs> but that was amazing so they do they basically say it's like there's too many bu- bunnies and there's this guy who's just like you can't take away my buns it's my right to have a bun yeah it's my it's my right to have buns <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> And then um, they basically have to like fight all the bunnies, and 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 then the it was just a bit so it, it was like heavy handed as shit, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can't believe that they actually like did it though. <laughs> that, that's what I couldn't get around. Like they actually made this in a kids' cartoon. They made it in a kids' cartoon, and I'm sure no kids will understand what the hell the subtext is towards that, but. Probably not. Except the ones that maybe were shot at in in schools. They probably understand a little bit, but... Yeah, they probably understand a bit too much, but... Um, I've also... So in in that specific episode, you have the pinky and the brain, um, and it's where the brain creates, like, a robot child. Oh, yeah, the robot child that quickly grows smarter than him. Yeah, he grows smarter than him, and he's just, like, a bit... He's a a massive dick, and I love him. Um, And... And also, the I've also written here that the eating yourself paradox that Pinky comes up with makes me physically sick to think about. <laughs> so the paradox. So basically, Pinky Pinky starts the episode by saying to the brain, he's like, um, "If I ate myself, would I be twice as big, or would I completely disappear?" <laughs> and I've not been able to stop thinking about that, and it's been a good two, three days since I watched that episode, and I can't quite wrap my head around it. I have to admit that line has also been weighing on my mind a little bit recently. <laughs> and it's basically uh, he says that to the to the brain robot at the end, who's like a, a logic genius machine, and the and the robot just explodes because he can't wrap his head around it. So I don't feel dumb thinking about it. But <laughs> uh, I thought that was that because a part of me did not see that paradox. I didn't see that coming up again. Mm. But 
I loved that ending. Yeah. And I still think I still think about it. <laughs> well, that says a lot about the the show itself. It's just like I can't wrap my head around that one and I don't think I ever will be able to. That's why it's a paradox, but fucking hell. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, so that's about far it's about as far as I got. But so far I've really enjoyed it. As I said, I still I, I miss the other characters and their segments, but I, I understand that it's like a resourcing problem, probably a resourcing issue, like the whole thing on Hulu, isn't it? So Yeah. I mean, yeah, unfortunately, I yeah, do really miss the other characters. But I still am really enjoying the musical numbers, and there are a lot of them in this TV show. It's like one per episode? Yeah, pretty much. There's like one per episode, but they're all fantastic, and, they're so, and the musical numbers are so well written. They and are. the voice that I've... I've the, the, the voice acts... Oh, I don't know how to describe it. The dexterity of the voice actors, like the range and ability, is just phenomenal. Yeah, and, well, it, and it really it really does show when they're just literally full on singing and making new musical numbers with their characters. I guess because they're all like industry veterans by this point. All of them are extremely renowned yeah. voice actors: Rob Paulson, mm. Russ McNeil, yeah. um, obviously uh, Jess Harnell. They're all it's, it, they've all been in so many things. I'm sure it's, it's pissed for them. It's like really they're, they're S tier. They are S tier. That's yeah, thing. exactly. So. I, I imagine for them, it's just like, it's like putting on a glove that they use. Oh, yeah, definitely. They used to definitely. wear, like, oh, yeah, this is easy. It's comfortable. I think that, that first episode, um, they do a song about reboots. And it, it in my head, I was just like, that kind of makes Animaniacs, the cartoon version of 22 Jump Street, <laughs> how much they just harped on about it being a reboot, but then it being a reboot in itself yeah. And they even say it, they're just like, well, we're here for the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, yeah, they cover that pretty quickly. <laughs> it's, the, it's one of those that's shows. That's the beautiful thing. It's, it's not afraid to poke fun at itself. That's the thing, yeah. And it's one of those shows that it kind of rewards you for paying attention to the smaller lines. Mm. Like, it's not Definitely. that, it's not like your typical sitcom where, you know, it'll be a build up and then a punchline, build up and punchline. Animaniacs is like every individual line kind of has like a bit of genius to it yeah definitely, definitely and i think and i think obviously that's that's going to be to do with it being written by probably people who are yeah. <laughs> i think that's what i love as well the fact that it's still like so many years later it's still kind of kept that magic yeah yeah exactly i don't know if it's written by the same people as it was originally i i hope it is but i have no idea and i think that's probably actually something i end up looking up later on <laughs> i take a look now so I, I don't know if the same people write every single episode. Is From what I've seen, I could not say. Okay, let's see. So the original, the first episode was written by Andrew Barbo and Kathleen Chen. The second episode was written I, by... I, I've noticed Kathleen Chen's name on quite a few of the episodes. Okay, so from what I can tell, they wrote every episode together. Oh, damn. But, but it says those two and like... Uh, some episodes will have like three other people on there mm. and some will have just those two. Um, let me just take a look at the original because I don't know. It could just be that they're really good writers who are who are trying to imitate the original. Yeah. Okay, they must be crazy talented. And they must have a great dynamic together to write something that amazing. The originals. No, the originals were written by a guy called Paul Rugg. 
and 16 other people. So yeah, uh, I can see how it's like a, it's such a well-oiled machine of a show because there's so many people ro- working on it at the same time, which makes sense. It must be quite the writer's room. And, and, oh, yeah, and it says here that like different people wrote it at different times. So it's just who they, I'm, I'm assuming it's just whoever kind of could fit that level of flow and chemistry just worked on it. And that's why you had so many fresh ideas throughout the whole series. Yeah, so it pays it pays off though when you've got that level when you've got to work with that level of creativity. Mm. It really does. It really does. And in that first episode, like straight away, they hop because obviously the show is is a Steven Spielberg creation, mm. right? And straight away, it just goes and ham in on like Jurassic Park. And uh, honestly, though, what an introduction! Yeah. <laughs> you get like the the Attenborough cartoon and the and the what's his face um Jeff Goldblum <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant it's absolutely brilliant I like as someone who as a as a as a kid like Jurassic Park was one of my favorite movies mm. and that what appealed on every single conceivable level to me <laughs> it's just that level extra level of magic like when you understand mm. the references when you get what the show is going for it's it really pays off doesn't it but again yeah, definitely. Like, i don't think kids will properly understand unless they've watched it when they were really young <laughs> but anyway i think that's also the beauty of it like even if you're an adult watching it as a reboot it's still got something there for kids to enjoy yeah 100 percent. It, it's got that whimsy that magic that level of fun like I could probably show it to like my younger cousins and I'm sure they would absolutely hundred percent love it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a shame it's only on Hulu. <laughs> I'm sure there will be a way for, you know, it to, to transcend Hulu at some point. God, I hope so. Cause other people really need to like give it a watch. Cause you don't really, it'd be nice for people to experience a, such a fun, like an easygoing cartoon as that. Yeah. And, and be able to, as like, a wider audience in the UK. Exactly. Definitely. Exactly. Which has always been a bit of an issue with the UK and and not being able to get things. I mean, never know. Maybe in like four or five years' time, <laughs> it might come to the UK TVs. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think I think we have like wrapped on Animaniacs a fair bit today, <laughs> and and that was a, a nice way to close it. So hopefully, hopefully that was a better segment than we normally do. I want to make a joke how we probably sound like animaniacs because we just keep going on about it but yeah. <laughs> so what games have you been playing now that we've talked about movies and tv games shows? games 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 i have been playing uh persona 5 so <laughs> this is a game which i started a month ago and played for about four hours put it down and because i've got a memory like a sieve i no long yeah i basically had to restart my game again yeah so i'm about half i'm more than halfway through the first castle dungeon kind of thing hmm. and oh my god so good it's i've never what have you just done in that dungeon by the way like how do you know how far you're in um so i'm literally just before i find the treasure okay good yeah so then you're gonna be yeah i'm assuming it's, I mean, you have to send the send the calling card yeah yeah yeah, basically. But um, yeah. Oh my god! Like I've don't think I've ever experienced a game story that it's so immersive, yeah. and you've been yeah. like so drawn into, and you're like, I th- 
like it's like playing Dragon Quest. Like I really enjoyed that game, mm. but it, sometimes I get to a stage where I start thinking about this game even when I'm not playing it. Yeah, and for me that that's never happened so quickly as it has for Persona Five. Yeah, it's because it's, it's, it's like, so draws you in. It like draws that you in. It's very character driven, isn't it? It's like yeah. the, the thing about games like Dragon Quest is as great as as amazing as that game is, right? the characters are the characters they're about your standard rpg characters whereas mm-hmm. with persona 5 you 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 experience so many different emotional moments with each of the characters you get very invested in them as people yeah you, yeah yeah it really draws you into the story and like oh my god i am so i am so into taking down this teacher <laughs> yeah cuz he, he's an evil bastard and he deserves to be taken down and like oh my god he's so evil I think the over the top is like evilness to it is amazing. Though I, I love, I loved because um, there's like a more of a satisfaction than just like your typical RPG boss of like, oh no, it's a man who's like a dragon and we need to kill him to proceed. This is like, no, this guy literally got a student to try and kill herself. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's a like, really bad guy. Like he needs to be taken down. He needs to be stopped. He's torturing other students. And, and people and are good, going home with like getting beaten and bruised and like physically and emotionally hurt by him. And, and the good thing is stop. for you is that Kamashida is like one of the weaker. Like in in terms of uh, satisfaction, Kamashida's in in terms of getting the satisfaction from it. Like Kamashida's a good dungeon, but it's also one of the weaker ones. And in terms really? of music, yeah, and in terms of music, it's definitely like one of the. It's the one. It's the only dungeon in the game that I can't remember the music for. Every every other dungeon has like amazing music Kamashita's is the only one I don't remember so like, like so been? far so far though I am really enjoying the music to it the mu- so that is probably the best game soundtrack I've ever listened to if I'm being very honest like also, it's, it's funky, fan it's, of funky it's got a good beat I do mm-hmm. love the kind of the, actually the lyrical um, part of the introductions and everything have you learned a lot about coffee because of the the various bits of like with um, what's his face Ojiro Okay, so that, yeah. Um, I've got that to look forward to. Yeah, that's it. It's just, it's not like a spoiler or anything. Basically, every so often, you know, when you when you build your social link with Sojiro, um, he'll just give you like random tips about coffee, or not even tips, just like random facts about coffee. And I imagine for someone like you who actually gives a fuck about coffee, you'd find that really good. <laughs> yeah, that actually sounds really, that sounds like something that's really going to appeal to me because I do love my coffee and I do love a good cup of coffee. Basically, he teaches you how to make coffee, and then he'd be like, "Now listen here," and be like, "These beans are made in Colombia," and blah 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 blah, and stuff I don't care about. But I'm sure you'll. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, you. I'm, I'm just gonna be sat there at edge of the seat, yes, sir, tell me more. <laughs> I love, I love the characterization in it. I do love, um, like Anne and Ryuji, obviously to start off with, are fantastic companions, and they they play like their awakenings so well i think like, there's still some of my favorite ones their awakenings like and specifically when she's um she's getting held back and then she just suddenly gets common and and yeah. kills that thing the demon version of her and and it, it's great I, I, Anne's, on, Anne's a great character she becomes like one of the it, when Anne, when Anne has an awakening i was like Oh my god, she's, they're gonna make her do like put in a sexy seat on there. They're gonna 100%. Her they were seat. always gonna put and I was like, in... There it is. I'm like, for fuck's sake. They were always gonna. Anne is the most fan service character in the whole thing. Like, 100%. She, they, they really emphasize that whole bit. But it's Japanese, what you expect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've consumed enough Japanese media to expect it. <laughs> yeah. 
hundred percent. But I mean, yeah, they, it gets, yeah, it gets a lot better. Like the whole thing, not the fans. Out of, of interest, <laughs> do like do the characters get different costumes? Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, they they do if you have the DLC, but I don't think you okay. do. I don't oh. know because I got I I bought when I bought it originally. I bought the ultimate edition, and that came with like a million costumes. Um, but I don't think you have that unless you buy it. Oh, fair enough. Because like that's like one of my favorite things about um, like uh, RPGs these days is like the hundred different costumes you can put your characters into. There's this um, there's this one costume set where you can make them look like the characters from Catherine. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's a Catherine's Atlas game, and it's basically yeah. Catherine was made as a prototype for the Persona's graphics engine. Mm-hmm. But it did so well that it's become its own like uh, cult little cult, series, cult classic, yeah. Mm. And um, and and one of the costume sets is the characters from Catherine. One of the one of there's there's a lot of Persona Five is like references to other Persona games. So one of them mm. is like a costume set of re- referencing to Persona Three and like the the cease um, uniforms and stuff like that. It's really good. Mm. The as I said, because I've been playing through three, and it's like a very different game. <laughs> they're all very, they're all fairly different, but I still think um, is it the same kind of concept. You're stealing people's hearts. You're a phantom thief. Not- no, no, not even slightly. They're um, it's very different. Like the only thing that's com, the only thing that each of the Persona games have in common are the personas themselves. Like okay. the fact that it's like your your out your inner self coming out to fight for you. That's the only thing they have in common. Uh, Persona 3 is like way fucking darker in it's oh, a really? much, yeah it is a much darker game more depressing like really you, you know how sometimes when you're playing a game and you're like I think this is emotional abuse <laughs> Persona, yeah. Persona 3 is emotional abuse but I it's feel like, so good I feel like that's a, a more common um, theme in games coming out these days like certain games <laughs> put you through their emotional window yeah, and this this came out in like two thousand and three ish, or two thousand and four ish, and and like yeah, oh my god! If you ever if you ever get the chance, it's not available readily to be honest. Like, so I, the only way I can play it is by playing a game on the PS3. But mm-hmm. but yeah, Persona Persona Three. The way the way it goes is three is super dark, four is like really 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 lighthearted, and then five is like a mixture of. But five is like the. From what I understand, five is like the magnum opus of the series, where it's like all the best bits so far put into one. Did five? Did five win Game of the Year? I think so. Yeah. Oh, it won. It won Game of the Year. Yeah, I think at that time because it was such a. It was. It was the first time where like these games were uh, such a fucking mainstream phenomenon. Mm. And then that's why obviously they do all the side side bits like um, like I mean like side games. Going into the game, like I'm only like what four hours into the story, mm. I can see why it's become so well received by fan by like gamers. From, yeah, like, you can, you can understand why I have two Joker amiibos. Yeah, like I understand why both you've really recommended it to me and my other mate have really recommended it to me. Like both people have said, both both of you have said to me, "This game is right up your alley. Just go for it." It's, do you know? And you know? yeah, you're right. My friends know me well. It's like Persona fans can be, um, the joke is that Persona fans are like fanatics. And uh, I was, 
I made this point the other day. I was like, I, me as a Persona fan, I'm like, oh no, I'm cut. I'm now bleeding. My blood is red. Red is the color of Persona 5. Therefore, I am a rebel. <laughs> it's the color of the... It's like, that's how your brain starts to become programmed. Like I had a, I had a, a Zoom call a few months ago when I was in the middle of playing it with our friend Oz. And in my head, I'm like, and if I do this Zoom call with Oz, I'll be able to build up my social link with him. <laughs> it it, it kind of reprograms the way your brain works, which is sometimes not a good thing. No, probably not. But if it if it makes you any more motiv- motivated to be more social, is that really a bad thing? It, it's like it's like I finished our Zoom call, and then like the 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 weird voice in my head was just like, "I am thou, thou art I." <laughs> thou, oh, thou hast acquired I, Oz from the, it shall I mean, become the wings of rebellion that break of thy chain of captivity <laughs> that line is like it's just I've played, in your brain you, you hear it so it often just, it, it just you hear it so often but it kind of just echoes through your brain it's yes yeah, uh, the fact that I can recite it just like that is pretty indicative of the, the impact yeah. that game kind of has and again like Persona 5 is, um, for, I think for a lot of Persona fans of who've been there since like 3 and 4 and earlier ones, 5 is like one of the weaker ones in terms of story. So if you ever get the chance to play 4 or 3, would recommend it. Yeah, might give it a go. Might give it a go. Hopefully they really- I mean, I, I feel like after this game, this big, I feel like after this game, I'll probably need to like, like you do, take a bit of a break from RPGs. Yeah, I needed, uh, it, it took me, so I put in like a, about a hundred and something hours into this one, and then I, I needed a break. But then I ended up doing New Game Plus. But but the thing is, New Game Plus is like the flow is way better because you don't have to build up any other social stats. So New Game Plus is great because you carry across your, all your money and your mm-hmm. weapons, and all of your personas are in the directory of personas. So you can summon like your end game persona at the very beginning of the game once you can summon personas, um, once you can like pay to get them back and, and, and just fucking kill everything really quickly. And it, it, it's like I did um, all of the dungeons, all of the dungeons in my second playthrough. So I'm on the final dungeon again. Uh, all of the dungeons I did in a single day. Really? Yeah, I, I just bum rushed each and every one of them and did it all in the single game day. I didn't, I didn't space it out like because when i first did it i spaced out each dungeon over like three four days like you're meant to like you're you're meant to because they even say to you like i'm tired please can we go home each, each of the characters become like me on the night out where they're just like i'm tired please can we go home i've run out of energy <laughs> you know you're playing too much when like all the characters are begging you to stop it's so funny, isn't it? It's like you got and Morgana just turns around, like you know, your friends are looking really beat. You should probably take a rest. It's like, shut up, Morgana, and stop telling me to go to sleep. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is actually hilarious. But um, no, man, you'll, I'm sure you'll you'll really enjoy it, especially the characters that get introduced. Um, uh, obviously, I'm not going to spoil anything because I think the way they do get introduced is really good, and you kind of see it coming. Like you know who becomes a part of the team from quite early on. Um, but and you can tell kind of straight away. But at the same time, the way everything unfolds, it's really cool as to the the mystery and how it how it all reveals itself eventually. Yeah. Um, but there are there are bits which when you get to certain bits. So let me know before you get to November specifically. Let me know before you get to November because there is something I need to tell you in advance because otherwise it will ruin the end game for you and the game doesn't make it obvious enough. Okay. I'll, I'll it happened to me in my first playthrough, 
it happened to me and I and like the end game was just misery because of it. So I know now what to do, but I'll let you know because this isn't a part of the the story or anything, but you need to like let me know before you get to November. I'll I'll, I'll try and bear that in mind. I probably <laughs> will I probably will forget and end up going through the same trauma you did. Yeah, because um, the end game is not misery to the point where it's impossible, but it's so fucking di- like it becomes you know when a game becomes so difficult that you're like this this difficulty spike doesn't bring a chore. Yeah, because the whole game, I'd say, is pretty easy. It's on the easy side for like a Shin Megami Tensei game. But when you get to the end, all of a sudden, it just becomes fucking impossible. And it's like it's like going from Dragon Quest Act 2 to Act 3, but like within a, a month of a game month. How many in-game days did it take to you for you to um, take down the first castle? Um, on my first or second playthrough, because first I did it in like maybe three or four, but second I did it in one. Okay, cool. Because like, as I said, because like, I'm on like I'm on like twenty twenty first of April. Yeah, and I'm pretty much almost. They they yeah. give you like two weeks, don't they? So you you got time, and it's great. Once you finish a thing, you can just like chill for the rest of that time before the story proceeds. So you can just do other activities, and it's it's fun, especially in a time like this where we aren't able to do social activities. It makes it that's true. It makes it really nice to like go out. Can't and see my friends in real life, but I can see my imaginary friends in person. I can hang out with Ryuji. It's great. Um, but yeah, um. What did I say? I said last time, and I'll repeat it again. If there's one social link you should prioritize, it's the homeroom teacher, Kwakami. For fuck's sake, level her to max. She's good. <laughs> not, not she's good. Her the so the ability you get by maxing her out is probably the mo- one of the most important ones. Oh yeah, I can tell you what it is because it's not like a big spoiler or anything, and it's not related to what they like. It's nah, not. Nah, leave it. Leave it. But, I'll let it be a surprise for me. But for fuck's sake, just max her out because it makes everything else a million times easier. Or it makes it makes the flow a lot better for everything else. But um but yeah, and I I think you'll really enjoy it, man. Like I'm sure by the time next time we, we talk about this, you'll be maybe at Dungeon Three or something. It's not that long a game. Like it's a long game, but when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel long. And I think that that's kind of testament to the the overall design. Because there are a lot of games which I played where I, they're they're only like ten hours, but they felt long. And and this one, yeah, I mean, some games like they might be short, but they can take it out of you. Unfortunately, that's it does make it a little bit longer. The yeah. Last of Us did that to me 100%. I would rather play Persona 5 again two more times than The Last of Us again once. And I, I don't know. Like, I think that's really saying something. I, I don't know. I think that's just my RPG bias talking, though. Because I get way I get way more of a kick with, like, stats going up and, uh, and, and like, RPG turn-based battles than I do, than I do sneaking around. I, I think the getting a kick out of the stats going up is, like, instant gratification. It's 100% there for you. It's there because of the feedback loop. Like it's there, visibly there, so that you can get addicted to it. Because it's the same as like any, any, any game that you can see stats going up. You'll be like, oh my God, I need to play more of this to see what happens next. But I can see how it's, um... oh, by the way, have you got, have you gotten used to like the spell names? Because obviously the spells don't have normal fucking names like fire and thunder. It's like Aggie is fire and Zio is thunder. And, uh, it's all japanese isn't it it's yeah it's japanese but it's not even like japanese 
it's not Japanese direct translations. It's like it's got some hidden historical meaning to it. And it's like, well, fuck, just say, just call it thunder. <laughs> See, oh, it's but, just like something to learn, isn't it? It's something to learn, but it's also not useful language. <laughs> but when you, it's when you start getting the more complex spells where you're like, what the fuck does that even say? <laughs> yeah, but it's like um, it's like watching the, the Dragon Quest anime. Hmm. Like now, I know like all the like Japanese names for all the spells because they're not called like Zapple in Japanese. No, no. So like the um, the fire the fire spell is called Mera um, Mera, hmm. and the um, the wind spell is called Baggy. And yeah. Who does the wind spell in? I can't remember Dragon Quest. Um, so Serena has the wind spell. Serena in, has uh, the wind spell. Yeah, shit. I remember that now. Okay. It's a whoosh. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, uh, yeah. I guess it yeah, becomes whoosh, cool. doesn't it? Yeah. Because, mm. yeah. And then, like, crack the um, ice spell is, like, Crackle. high. Um, I, I can't. <laughs> oh, no, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I still need to play the third act of Dragon Quest Eleven like properly, but it's just you finished it, didn't you? I finished Act Two, yeah. I, f- I finished what is canonically the end of the game, but I, I haven't finished like the third act, basically. Like the the I haven't I haven't beaten um, what's his face, Calasmus. Yeah. yeah, because the, the thing that basically kind of looks like Cell, but like a baby. <laughs> it, it it was one of those I just felt like. Um, I was in Act 3, and I felt like it would take a lot of research for me to be able to start beating some of the boss. Like, I just about beat the boss which you fight on the boat. Oh, yeah. And then I got to the spider for the second time, and I was like, man, this is fucking impossible. Because you have to beat you have to beat the, the thing fighters first, and then the spider, and you don't get, like, a break in between. Oh, um, it, it, gets, it gets worse. Like, there's bosses you can't beat unless everyone's got equipped two of the Catholicon wings and they're really difficult to make as well. Yeah, see, this is a problem is that because it, because it gets so grind heavy, I just can't be fucked and this is, it's it's typical for an RPG, but in my head I've already finished the game. Like, I've already, I beat um, Mordigan, so I just like, I felt like eh, you know what, this is all post-game, so it doesn't matter if I beat it. The guy that looks like um, Captain Ginyu. He does as well. Yeah, basically, Mord. I kept I kept reading his name before they started saying it in in game. I kept reading it as more dragon. Mm. Uh. It just reminds me of our D and D campaign where our dungeon master keeps accidentally referring to the evil wizard as his secret name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I um I in, I love I love our D and D campaign so much. It's, it makes me laugh. Yeah, I think that's the reason why it's like it's such a good thing to look forward to every week. The um, that boss and it's not just a bot Mordigan in Dragon Quest Eleven that I do that with. I've, for the fucking longest time, um, the whale's name is Cetacea, and until they said it out loud, I kept reading it as Ketkia. I think I, I have like. Years. I kept reading it as like Ketkia. Yeah, Ketkia. I kept reading it as C E T C E A. Yeah, and, and it's only until they said cetacea, I was like, "Oh, there's an A in there." What? When was that ever a thing? It's like I think yeah. my I dyslexic, things. my dyslexic ass just wrote it as like ketakia. I, I don't know if I have dyslexia to be honest with you, because this happens to me a lot. Where I read, I read through things and I completely botch what it actually says. 
Yeah, but so I didn't know I was dyslexic. I, I didn't know I was dyslexic until the second time I went to university. Really? Yeah. <laughs> How did you they, find they, out? They meet because they meet all of first take the dyslexic test. <laughs> like, I have <laughs> and, like I'm not. I'm not sure if that's something they just do at Demonfort University, but they yeah. meet all of us in our nursing <laughs> cohort take the dyslexic test, and mine was like, so you're you. They told me you are dyslexic, but basically all the tuition you had as a kid growing up, all the private tuition I had, because my parents maybe have private tuition yeah. um, every Fridays, and basically all the tuition I had, it's like it's like having cracks in a wall, <laughs> but they, basically my parents put plaster over the wall to hide the cracks. It's like they put posters up yeah, to hide the cracks. Yeah. Basically, that, that's what my dyslexia was. <laughs> I had cracks in my foundations that were probably going to crumble. They were basically crumbling, but my parents put like a fresh coat of paint over it to make it look okay. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder sometimes because I do that all the time where like I, I, I read something and completely, I have to then, it's only on the second take that I realize I've completely, um, I've jumped ahead, if that makes mm. sense. I, I jump ahead a lot when it comes to reading. What can you do? Yeah. Yeah, doesn't matter. At, at this point, it's just like a character flaw in your character sheet. Yeah, exactly. Like at this point, it doesn't make a difference because I don't. I'm not in education anymore, so people don't like make concession for you. <laughs> True. But what can you do? Anyway, I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> um, I can't think of anything else I want to talk about. So you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's a good place to wrap it up, considering we will be back next week. I mean, like we're we're very close to an hour. Yeah, exactly. I feel this is, this is a good bite size. I say bite size, an hour is a lot of time. I'd, I think this is a good time to wrap it up. And uh, yeah, I mean, thanks everybody to listening and all the people out there who still have enough patience for us. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're getting back into stride. I think we're doing quite well, all things considering. Like, I don't mean to toot our own horn, but God okay, damn, we're doing good. <laughs> God yeah, damn, we, we're doing good. So at some point, we become the greatest podcasters in history. And mm. Joe Rogan has nothing on uh, on on Amrick. On us and our like, <laughs> two followers. <laughs> but yeah, thanks everybody. Taste. Thank you everybody who are listening, and we'll see you again next week. But take care and try not to let the fucking extended lockdown make you kill yeah. yourself. Thank you for listening, as Lena said. Uh, we look forward to doing this again next week. I cannot wait. It's quickly becoming the highway or highlight of my week. You need um you need a sign out catchphrase. I need a sign out cast catchphrase. I think if I don't have a sign out catchphrase catchphrase at this stage, I probably aren't, aren't gonna have one. Except for goodbye. Oh fuck that cat, people. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>